Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Uh, yesterday, uh, you went. Uh, you you enjoyed a beautiful spring day, and today it's winter again. Um, make your own metaphors related to marriage. Okay. Um, I'm. Uh, Chris Gonzalez, and I am your uh, instructor, teacher, facilitator, and dance coach today. Um, yes, foreshadow. Uh, and uh, I teach uh, marriage and family therapy at Lipscomb University, and I love doing that. And I have my own private practice uh, where I see... Uh, individuals, couples, and families on the side. Uh, it's my side gig, but my main gig's at Lipscomb. Uh, I've been doing uh, marriage and family therapy since the late 1900s, so it's been a while, and uh, I love it. It's it's my favorite. It's my favorite thing. Um, so uh, we'll get into the content of class uh, today in a moment. Um, so let's start with a prayer. Uh, and then we'll jump into class. Heavenly Father, God, uh, Jesus, Holy Spirit, uh, thank you for uh, existing as the God of relationships, as the God who is relational, uh, who uh, demonstrates to us that love is not a solo thing, but between people, between each other. Thank you for giving us the gift of relationships and the gift of marriage so that we can learn a little bit more what it's like to be you and what love really is. And we pray that this morning we'll uh, enter into that uh, mystery uh, with hearts and minds and souls open. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, researchers uh, like to study... Uh, relationships. There's a lot of relationship researchers, and they have learned a lot of things about how we relate to each other, specifically in in marriage and intimate relationships. And uh, one of the things that they've uh, learned is that uh, intimate relationships that last any period of time become uh, patterned. Uh, couples eventually form ways to be with one another that are uh, predictable. They repeat. Uh, they do the same things often. And um, this can come in the, uh, the area of how couples make decisions, how we go about making decisions. Uh, there's often a similar way from one decision to the next. Uh, it also depends on how big or small the decision is. Um, it also comes in... Uh, how topics of conversation are brought up between each other. How do we communicate? and What do we talk about? What do we not talk about? What do we intentionally agree? These are things we'll talk about. And what do we 
intentionally agree these are things we won't talk about? And then what are things we sort of find ourselves talking about and find ourselves not talking about with maybe a, a lower degree of intention? We get patterned in intimate relationships on how we deal with conflict and disagreement and uh, asserting uh, ourselves or not asserting ourselves in the context of disagreement and difference. Um, we get into patterned ways in, the, in how we settle into roles and responsibilities and duties that we have to get the things done in life, that, that the tasks of everyday life. Dishes. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's not common that it is an unknown about who is supposed to do the dishes in a relationship. It could be both of us. It could be you. It could be, let's have some kids so we can have somebody do the dishes. Um, <laughs> but it gets settled into a pattern. Um, there are higher reasons to have children, by the way, but only a few that are higher than that. Um, so one of the metaphors that's used uh, in these patterned ways that we get into um, is that of a dance, okay? The, the, the way in which you do conflict, the way in which you make decisions, the way in which uh, you and, and your partner do these things could be likened to a dance. And some people, some couples, uh, are excellent at dancing together. And some are less than excellent at dancing together. Um, my sister, whenever I visit my sister up in Minnesota, I end up somehow, end up watching Dancing with the Stars. It's not something I would choose to do on my own, but when I'm with her, she's like, do you want to watch Dancing with the Stars? Like, like, <laughs> like it's my favorite thing and she's blessing me with it. And I'm like, sure, we can watch Dancing. Like, yes! So it's like all about her on that. But um, sometimes, of course, there's a star, some known person, and some already excellent dancer, and they dance together. And um, sometimes the star is not very good. It's kind of embarrassing to watch because they're just bad. They're they're awkward, and they're it, but but they're my favorite ones because I ah I relate to you. Um, kudos to you for going out there and giving it a try. Uh, we we all vary in how well we dance together. There there are some dances uh, that couples get into that are really elegant and beautiful and good. And then there's some dances that are not very elegant and not very beautiful and not very good. So here's what I want to do. Uh, I want to invite you uh, to do something right now. I want you to think about the way that you and your partner make decisions. I want you to think about how you and your partner engage in conflict. Uh, how is it you've settled into the roles and responsibilities and duties that you engage in now? And what I want you to think about, I want you to name your couple dance. 
Okay, give it a name. It could be a dance that exists right now and then there's some meaning to it. Or it could just be the thing you just made up. It's not a real, it's not the cha-cha. It's like you made it, you made up the name and it has a meaning to it. So I want you to think about how is it you do these things? Uh, what's the flow of your relationship? And give it a name. Don't consult with your partner. This is, your partner doesn't even have to be here. Um, uh, think about it in your head right now. You, you will not be required to share this. But you will be invited. Um, okay, so give your dance a name and why it's the, named that. You've got 20 more seconds. your hand if you found this uh, very easy to do <laughs> all right one okay raise your hand if this was a very difficult okay more than that um, there are other categories but I won't continue with them okay all right uh, so raise your hand if you do actually have a name, a dance name for this dance that you do, if you actually have one. Okay, oh, a lot of people don't have it. This is really hard. Okay, for those of you who do have it, would you be willing to share what the name of your couple, what you think the name of your couple dance is? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I say I call it the Tennessee, Texas two-step. The Tennessee, Texas two-step. So there's some diverging uh, cultural, regional aspects to it. Uh, Two-step does imply there are two people involved. Right. Uh, both do everything, basically. So. Yes. Okay. All right. What else is in there? For us? Yeah. Uh, well, shoot. That's about as far as I got. That's why it's so easy. Yeah. <laughs> We kind of know already what our part is, and if you want to call it a dance. I mean, like just to be, as I say, um, um, our daily process is um, you know, we get up, you know, she makes the bed. I never make the bed. So she does most of the laundry, I never do the laundry. But we kind of, sh we know what we do. I mean, like, I'm, yeah. the, I'm the dishes guy. Yeah. I mean, I'm like the kitchen Nazi. I mean, I don't like dirty dishes anywhere in my area or anything like that. And it's just like we share everything. We're not, we're not the kind of couple that says, well, I did this, 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 this. Because if we do, well, the other part, other one says, so well, I did this, 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 this. So it's really no big deal. It takes both of us to Yeah, okay. And we have very active twin 11 year old kids that are athletes, so it's it's, we it's don't tough. Love no, 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 no. We don't really love to do anything. We do everything. <laughs> all right, all right. They're not yet trained in the ways. Not yet. That they're, they're, uh, hopefully learning. Okay. Um, there were. Uh, please don't call on me face over here 
And I think you raised your hand too. Do you want to? Sh- would you share? Uh, two step together. Two step together. All right. Two steps. Are a popular one. All right. Tell, can you? What? What? What, uh, what about your dance arrives at that name? Well, I guess it's uh, got a method to it. Mm-hmm. But we're together. Yeah. All right. Good. Good. There's a method. There's some. You 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 had some way of coming to this is how we do this, yeah, and it's mutually agreeable. Uh, one of you steps forward, the other steps back, and instead of both stepping forward at the same time, and somebody gets a toe injury, yeah, yes. I just saw one. Oh, all right. Yes. What do you got? It took me a while. Uh, it's more like a symphony, I think. Uh, in oh, that, yeah. Uh, in that. Uh, you have various pieces uh, or instruments played uh, generally, uh, uh, and they do not play the same thing. I guess we're kind of uh, kind of say, saying the same thing in a lot of ways. We don't play the same uh, uh, exact note. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. but what you do, what you do, uh, blends and makes uh, pretty music. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a a harmony. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I think that would go with your metaphor. That's good. That's great. Uh, instead of a, instead of being in, in, in unison, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a harmony. It's a complementary yes. thing. That's be, that's beautiful. And occasionally there is a sour note. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that's that's oh, that's ninety nine percent of the time beat. But still there are yes. There are times when uh, I mean, I don't uh, you know. Uh, Great. Great. Any other last second epiphanies? That was good. Okay. All right. Um, uh, So the people who study this sort of thing uh, have noticed some patterns that uh, develop between couples. And I want to uh, some of these uh, patterns or some of these uh, dances are um, are fine unless they're brought to an extreme. And some of them are just not fine at all. Um, but here's, I want to go through uh, seven different patterns or maybe dances uh, that... Uh, that are common in couples, and maybe you can see yourselves in one of these, or close to one of these, or uh, we do that, but we do it well, or why we're really at risk for that in an extreme. So uh, one dance that couples do has to do with the emotional distance between them, okay? How close or distant are we uh, it doesn't matter with this dance. What's unique about this dance is it never changes. Uh, it's called the pursuer-distancer dance. And so the pursuer-distancer, this is about how close we are, where um, it's always this far apart or however far it is. And when this person uh, tries to get closer, this person moves the exact amount away. And so now we're still 10 emotional units apart from each other. If this person moves 
one part away, this person closes the gap. And so it's always there. It's called the pursuer distancer. The emotional distance never changes. Uh, the distancer always reacts to the pursuer in an equal and opposite way in order to keep the distance the same. Now, um, if this is, if the distance isn't very far, if there's good intimacy and, and this back and forth is like this, it's probably, um, it's probably okay. Um, but if the distance is far and, um, and the stakes can be higher, um, or if it's too close, it's too enmeshed, and the pursuer is still trying to get closer, the stakes can get higher. Um, the pursuer is at risk for feeling rejected. So the pursuer moves closer, the distancer distances, and the pursuer can feel rejected. Um, the distancer is at risk for feeling smothered, or I can't even be myself, I'm so smothered by you. So um, you have this uh, risk for uh, rejection, smothered thing, and uh, when that pattern really gets ramped up, it can become it can become really corrosive to the relationship. So that's one. Um, another dance that happens is the overfunctioner underfunctioner dance. So one person takes responsibility for everything or everything in certain categories. It could be emotional things. It could be uh, functional things. Uh, and then the other person just lets that person do all the thinking and the doing in that area, all the planning, all the work. And the more the over-functioner over-functions, the more the under-functioner can under-function. And then it can get to be a really imbalanced. And the more extreme it is, um, the more imbalanced it can be. Uh, now, you might be thinking, well, wait a minute. We've got certain roles like... Uh, are, are you an over-functioner in the category of dishes and this is catastrophic to your no, marriage? No, no. no. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm not, when I talk about categories, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, but uh, th there, there are risks when you broaden it out. If one person is always in charge of everything emotional and relational, then the other person doesn't have to do any of that work or thinking. And that can lay dormant for a while, but there may be a situation where this person cannot function for that person, and they're called upon to do it. And it's like saying, I know you've never, uh, you haven't run in 10 years, but you've got to do this marathon tomorrow. It's like, it might kill me. Yes, it might. Um, but in this particular situation, you, you have to rally to be there for that funeral. You have to rally to be there, and you've got no practice, no rehearsal in it. So um, those sorts of things. Um, <clears throat> each person in this uh, over-functioner, under-functioner dance, when set to extremes... Uh, has their reasons for, for accumulating or mounting resentment. Why do I have to do everything? 
the overfunctioner may become frustrated. Or the underfunctioner, why does my opinion not even matter? Why didn't you even ask me? And so there could be resentment, although they're, for, they're, they're highly motivated to continue to overfunction, underfunction. Their very thing reinforces the other's uh, behavior to do that, and yet the resentment can build because they realize that some, I'm, I'm missing out on something. The escalator dance. I'll, and I've got two versions of this. The escalator dance with the ceiling function, meaning there's a top. So couples, um, when they engage in conflict uh, or, or whatever, they have to one-up the other one or get the last word. Oh, yeah? I'll do this. Oh, that's pretty good, except for this. And then there's, but then there's a ceiling function to it where when it gets too hot or too elevated, they know to stop. It hits a limit and the couple can, they mutually just cool off. There's also the escalator function with with our, or the escalator dance with no ceiling function, this is when it gets really dangerous. When a couple's in a conflict, they typically have a ceiling where, okay, maybe, maybe a raised voice is acceptable, but I'm not going to um, name call because the ceiling is raised voice. But if there's no ceiling... There's really no limits on what the next one up can become. And then it be can become name calling. It, it can become demeaning. It, be it can become threats. It can become violent. If there's no ceiling, it's all about, I just, what's the next one up thing I can do to win? And so this, there's an escalating dance, and that happens. It's part, part of sometimes personalities of the couples, but if there's no ceiling function, and hopefully it's a lower ceiling, uh, that can intervene, uh, that's when it can get really dangerous. There's another dance called um, one up, one down, where one person in the relationship becomes more assertive, while the other one becomes more passive. And the more assertive the other, the one becomes, the more passive the other one becomes. The more passive the other one becomes, the more assertive. And, and then there's this, it's like, well, I'm going to one-up you. Fine, I'll just roll over and play dead. Oh, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll kick you to make sure you're still alive. Uh, wow, uh, I can play possum better than that. Uh, and then you have this thing going on. Uh, and again, sometimes that, that pattern develops uh, kind of based on personalities in the, the dance of the couple. When it gets to an extreme is when that one can really be problematic. Another dance is what I call um, the conflict swallow. Uh, when one person is okay with conflict and the other is not. So this can be problematic uh, because the person 
the person who's okay with conflict, uh, it's fine to, it doesn't mean, it means we're doing good problem solving. The person who's not okay with conflict, it often means um, if there is conflict, there's something wrong with our relationship. Like, the, this is a problem with us, and I can't accept that there's a problem with us, so I'm going to avoid the conflict, or I'm going to try some way to get rid of it. And the one of the strategies is that the person not okay with conflict between each other just takes responsibility for the whole thing and swallows the conflict. So instead of having interpersonal conflict, they have internal conflict with themselves and play the role of being not in conflict with the other. Which for the person who is okay with conflict, they live under this belief that we have an amazing relationship. Like, we never fight. How is it possible? How are we so alike? And the person who's not okay with conflict is, how do you not see what a problem this is? And also, I'm never going to let you know. So there's this, uh, this obliviousness that the I don't like conflict person uses sort of on the conflict person. Um, but it's not malicious because the meaning attached to conflict is so scary that we, I have to preserve what looks like peace between us. So they swallow it. They're conflict swallowers. They avoid it. Uh, they'll uh, do whatever tactic they need because conflict means the relationship might be over. And it's too scary. And then there's the last one I call the independent drift. Each person gets absorbed into other things so much so that um, there's not a malicious thing going on. There's not a it's not an intentional thing, but there's this drift. Um, we both work. We, we, the time we spend uh, together is really parenting time. Um, or uh, we did just watch six, binge six episodes of whatever on Netflix. And now it's a little too late and we're both tired. And the thing we need to talk about, we didn't talk about. Um, I'm really into my hobby, and you're really into your hobby, and that's great, and it's satisfying, and it's enriching. It's, or we've got social groups that, that are important to us, and they matter, and our friends, and our, our, our book club, and our car club, or whatever it is, um, all the things, and it's not an intentional neglect, uh, because life is basically very satisfying. But we're both, we're being very independent uh, and not a lot of interdependence. Um, and then that, that drift happens over time until intimacy is required or needed and a pressure point hits and it's now an unrehearsed thing. Because the space where the intimacy would be is filled by other things and now we've got to do, we have to perform our intimacy that we don't really have or gosh 
how long have we felt like roommates? I feel like it's like I felt like that for a year. A year? Oh, so have I. And 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 now it's like we're we're uh, we're an economic unit, and that's it. Okay, so um, these are some tough dances, but what we've found is these are some of the dances that are easy for couples to fall into. And some of them really are fine, but pushed to an extreme or become too entrenched can really get in the way of, of intimacy and closeness and marital health. Um, and the thing about marital health is uh, you don't notice the symptoms immediately. Um, because the pressure point comes later. Uh, you notice it when, when uh, you need to call on that intimacy and it's not there. Or you need to call on that strength, uh, that mutual faith in each other, and it's, it's not there. Um, so it's really important to, be, to become aware of what, not, not, we don't do any of those dances. It's which dance are we prone to do and what can we do about it? How can we intervene? So, um, I promised I'd be a dance coach. So I have a few tips. Um, and then we'll, uh, we may have time for a couple questions. Um, so really, number one, just be aware. Be aware that, hey, these are some dances that couples get into. These are some things, and, and to an extreme, some of them could be risky. Uh, which one are we at risk of going into? That might even be a conversation you have with your partner later. You know, we talked about, he went through those seven things. Which one do you think we're at risk of being in? And, and then ha also have your own idea. Um, and then um, be, be aware of, you know, what dance moves did you learn before you got together? Like, you didn't learn to dance with your partner. You learned to dance before you got with your partner. So um, what was my family of origin dance? How did we do conflict in my family? How, what topics did, were fair game to talk about in my family of origin that I think are fair game to talk about in our marriage? And which ones were forbidden? Um, uh, so what, what in my history informs how I dance with my partner today is another part of that self-awareness. Um, and become aware that your couple dance may be in competition with your family of origin dance. Or a dance you learned how to do out of guilt or shame or regret. Oh, this is why I do that dance move that to you looks weird, but to me makes a lot of sense. It's because I'm trying to mitigate the shame that I have about X. And some people just have learned self-defeating dances. Like, there's no way that dance move's going to work with another person. And just to become aware of that. Following up on awareness is the, the dance move called self-confrontation. This is the fun one. Uh, when you become familiar with family of origin dance moves, um, self-defeating dance moves, things that came out of uh, shame or regret or even past traumas. 
you confront yourself on that. I know I am familiar with this dance move, and perhaps it has been good elsewhere, but what dance move is best with my partner? That's the self-confrontation piece. Um, if Tracy were here, Tracy Hall, he would like this next one. Seek couple intimacy through a combination of personal humility and courage toward being intentional with learning how to dance with your partner. Don't assume you're good at it. Assume you need to figure out how to be good at it. And if you're good at it, how can we be even better? And if you're not good at it, just like, we love each other, and sometimes we step on each other's toes. And actually, we've gotten to a pattern of stepping on each other's toes, and I, I want to do better. I think you want, to, want us to be doing better, too. And just being humble and courageous at the same time and learning how to dance. Dance with your partner. That might seem obvious. Um, don't dance near your partner. Don't dance for your partner. Don't dance against your partner. Don't dance with another partner. And don't dance with your past trauma instead of dancing with your partner. Now, that, that, that last one is, can be challenging because that invites significant healing in you and in the context of your partner. Number six, dance the same dance. Well, it's not my favorite dance. Okay, dance the same dance. You picked one person to be with. Be with that person. Figure out what works with them. Don't just roll over. It's like, well, we'll just do it the way you do it. Or be demanding. We will do it this way or else. It's, okay, out of the skill sets we have, histories we have, what, how can we make this work together? And the last one is go and get dance lessons. What does that mean? Um, go to a class like this. This is good. You're doing well being here. Um, find uh, enrichment opportunities and engage in those. Uh, maybe there's something good. I think if you went to a, an enrichment opportunity over a weekend or something and you came out with one good thing worth implementing in your marriage, that is time and money well spent. You're like, yeah, everything wasn't great. All right, fine. Did you get one thing? Yes, then do it. Um, being in uh, groups, it could be a support group, it just could be an encouragement group, or it could be a life group where, where if everybody's a couple, it's things you can share with other people and learn, okay, that's how that couple did that. Um, we're not them, but what we, we can import some of what they did and try it out with us. So being in community uh, groups of some sort where you talk about these things. And uh, it is better to go to therapy if you think something might be uncomfortable than to go to therapy 
in an emergency. You want to go to your primary care physician much more than you want to go to the ER. Okay? Um, proactive couple therapy uh, is, is a great, great thing to do. However, if you're wondering, is this, is this thing going to make it? Go to therapy. Because uh, a lot of great things happen in the ER. Uh, you just hope never to be there. But if you are in need of it, go and get therapy. Okay. I, I don't even know when class ends. Maybe it just ended. Uh, I, I, got a I think I have a couple minutes for questions. <laughs> if you need to leave, uh, feel free to go. Qu questions, thoughts, concerns, fears, objections. Either you're scared or I covered it. I don't know which. All right. Uh, blessings this week. Uh, may God be at the center of your marriage and figure out that mystery. Peace.